page 992 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Before I open in prayer, this is bothering me. I'm just going to put this stuff on the table. <laughs> All right. For later. And, and as we pray, we are, um, and as we enter into this time, we're listening to that passage and we're seeing what God has to say to us through that passage. So I invite you, while I pray, to um, consider putting your hands out, maybe on your lap or maybe up high, in some way to just express openness to what God might be saying to you in this time. Let's pray. Our gracious God, some of us um, are in places right now where life has come easy for us and things have gone well. And we don't yet know struggle, we don't yet know the valley. And in some way today, you're actually preparing us for when that will come. Others of us today um, are sitting here and we are in the valley. We are in the grief or the loss or the pain. And it's like a, it's like a raging headache or a migraine or like our ears ringing and it won't go away. It's the thing that's just right there at our forehead all the time. We can't push away the hurt or the pain or the loss or the issue that troubles us or the anxiety or the depression. Others of us um, are in other places, places of great doubt perhaps, wondering if we'll ever believe what we used to believe. Some of us are doubting our way towards you um, as we explore the Christian faith. Some of us are in times where the valley is behind us and we are, have gratitude and thankfulness because of what has transpired over 2017. And in fact, um, the, next, the next issue for some of us will be settling into sort of a plateau of complacency now that some of the bigger issues we are wrestling with have been settled. 
And from all these places, we now look and we say, Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you use the words of um, the baptism of Jesus Sunday, which the church celebrates worldwide today? Would you use these words chosen for this day to guide us, to bring us your grace? That even though we might be sitting here just overwhelmed with our own mess and brokenness, that we might at the same time be overwhelmed with your grace. And know that we are loved beyond question, no matter what we do or have done. Because of Jesus and his baptism that has become ours. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, this summer, I turned 40, and no one's going to cheer. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, um, I th so I think how it worked was like there was um, the day before my birthday, um, or a couple days before my birthday, there was a kind of a big party, um, or a, like a big thing that was kind of like a. I, for, I actually forget what it was. First, there was, there was some kind of surprise thing that my wife worked out, like the, this first celebration. And so I thought all the surprise was done, and then the, my birthday, my actual birthday came, and it was going to be a quieter, small uh, meal with another family. And it was just going to be like our family plus these four other people. And so I had pretty low expectations in terms of, you know, the extent of what this was. But it was going to be a nice evening together. And then in the middle of it... Um, random people started showing up at my house. And um, I mean, and I knew that something was up. I knew that it was totally uh, different than my normal expectations or my low expectations because the people were, were from all different quadrants of my life. It was like my family from an hour away was showing up. Um, some random person from church was showing up. A neighbor was showing up. And then like people I, I literally had never met were showing up. <laughs> Some, some people who had, I had been, uh, it had been during a time where I had, I wasn't at church the, la the couple of weeks before or something like that, and someone had got invited to my birthday party who was like a first-time visitor at church. So um, they never came back after that, by the way. I'm just, that's totally true. I'm not lying. So this, this part, <laughs> this, this, uh, this birthday was, you know, I had small expectations, there was something much greater in store. That's definitely going on as we look at Mark chapter 1 and the arrival of Jesus. The summary of the passage is, I mean, you caught it, but I like to just summarize because um, I myself am not always the best listener of something the first time through, is that you have this cross-section of people going out to the desert uh, around this character, John, John, the baptizer. And we know it's a cross-section of people because it says, um, basically, the ancient version of the Trump supporters were there and the Obama voters were there. They were all going out. It does. It says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out. To, it's like the country folk and the city folk were all going out for the same, you know, it was attracting all kinds of people in the area. And so they were getting baptized. The word baptized is in here over and over and over again. Um, they were confessing their sins. That seems to be the only action we're getting from the kind of the people, the crowd in this text. And, um, and John says, there's one greater coming. I'm not uh, even allowed to tie his shoes. 
or untie his shoes. And, and then he says, um, and then Jesus comes to be baptized and coming out of the water, we have one of the, um, I think the only place in the Bible where we see the Trinity all kind of together in one instance and yet having uh, separateness to them. So we have uh, the voice of the Father from heaven talking to the Son and the Son is there coming out of the water and then the Holy Spirit is descending like a dove into Jesus. So this is the passage, but what it does is it frustrates our very small expectations that we bring because what's missing in this passage is some quick and easy takeaway. I don't know if you felt that as it was read, but it, does, it kind of perplexes us, and we kind of say things like, Dear Bible, please give me a quick nugget for my life instead of this passage. Dear preacher, inspire me today to be a little bit better. Tell me something about the Bible I never thought of before. That's what we love. We love to get a new nugget. Or we love to go out into different parts of our lives. We say to, dear yoga instructor, set my intention so that I can start my week on a good foot this week. Alexa, hey Siri, anyone, give me a tip. Give me an inspiring quote for my day. Anything will do, just something manageable and small. And this is one of those passages in the Bible that God uses to remind us that we often walk through those doors into places like this with tiny expectations. We come in and we want clarity on how to vote. We come in or we want a reminder about how sexuality is really best expressed within the context of marriage. We want uh, to know uh, a relevant, we want a relevant tip or message about ecology. We want to nudge towards um, what the Bible talks about as tithing, giving of our money, you know, maybe 10% uh, pre-tax. You know, I know a lot of you came in because you wanted that nudge today. <laughs> but this, this is one of those stories that shows these things to be minuscule. We want, a compa we want a, just a tip on how to be compassionate to people who vote different than us. We, maybe we come in and we want our beliefs reinforced. And these are small, tiny things. We want, in a sense, uh, John the Baptist, not Jesus. We want John the Baptist as drill sergeant. John the CrossFit body boss Baptist, leading us on a purification program involving a 30-day paleo insect-infused honey cleanse. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of baptism we're always ready for. And as John the Baptist had this effect on people and almost kind of this feeling like, yeah, you know, what I really need is someone to yell at me a little bit, you know. John the Baptist, you know, rubs us that way as the kind of guy who might give you a good talking to, a good yell or shake a finger at you. And that's minuscule, that's small. And he shows us this by saying there's one coming who's greater, so much greater. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be one who mediates the presence of the divine into your life. And we kind of sit there with like unblinking stares. Like, oh, what? I just wanted someone to give me a tip. 
And when Jesus comes uh, and he is baptized, the sky, it's talked about the sky is ripped apart as the Holy Spirit descends and the Spirit of God swoops into him. The Divine Father says, this is my beloved approved son. And Jesus in the story is the only one who doesn't confess his sins while he's being baptized. Who is this person? And what could he possibly mean for my life? And if you ask that question a tiny bit today, you are entering into this passage. Who on earth is this person? And what's he going to mean for my life? You know, high school textbooks will say, he's, well, I'll tell you who he is. He's the founder of the Christian religion. He's the founder of Christianity. And, this, and, and that's, it's just like an insultingly gross, tiny alternative explanation compared to all the ways that Jesus has introduced to us in passages such as this. In fact, we'd prefer the founder of a religion because then we could simply study his teachings and we could really get the, the, this religion thing figured out and then we'd know that we're on the right path. And instead... He's the one you're not even worthy to unbuckle his sandal. He rests perpetually under the full approval of God. He mediates the presence of God to you. That's who this is. And so the only thing you should expect in meeting Jesus is that you'll be totally turned around. And I would say over and over and over again. One of the false understandings that a lot of times Christians have is that this idea of, you know, repent, which means change directions, that that's just a once, that's a, oh, I did that once ago, 10 years ago. If you're experiencing Jesus, you're going to continually be turned around over and over again. Imagine, it's this weird category shifting, turning around. Imagine that, uh, maybe a really bad example, but just imagine there's a new political candidate and, and, and the kinds of people you hang out with are so excited about this new candidate. Things are going to change dramatically for the better because of what we're hearing from this candidate. So you go out to see the candidate and what she says at this rally that you attend, this big event, and I mean thousands are there and what she says is, I'm here to tell you to give, to, to transition your hopes away from politics and to not show up on election day. It is one of those, ah, uh, hmm. That's kind of what this is like if we're really entering into this passage. And since we don't want that kind of earth-shattering, earth ego-trampling, finance-inconveniencing experience, we prefer for John the Baptist. The guru, he's provocative, he's a cultural critic, but just enough of the culture that we resonate, challenges your politics, and, let, and yet he'll let you buckle his sandal, if you want. <laughs> you know, I just really, really how I want to end is with, this, with a picture that comes from um, a couple of short articles I read in uh, Popular Science, of all things. Let me, so these two short pieces in popular science highlighting two different examples of power 
And since this story really is about and is about to start us on a journey of reading about Jesus in the Gospel of Mark that's going to be very centered around the power of Jesus, I thought of these two as good pictures for us. So the first is the push that starts a bobsled run. So two examples of power. The first, I don't know if you've ever seen bobsledding. Maybe you've seen it. The two athletes push along this little sled. They're running along. They jump it. You know, they're in these cute little suits, you know, aerodynamic, cute suits with the helmets. And they're running along. They jump in once they've gotten it fast enough. And, and this is how it's described. There's a pilot and a brakeman who do, who do, and the brakeman does most of the pushing. This athlete must generate enough force to break the inertia of the 375-pound sled. He needs preconditioned fast twitch muscles. Some of you have these, I think. I know I have a few. Preconditioned fast twitch muscles. Larger tissue fibers capable of short, sudden exertions. That's why scouts often recruit sprinters from track and field or wide receivers from football. He bends his knees, leans forward. He might lock his arms straight, exerting a combined five horsepower. The team can bring the sled from zero up to 15 miles per hour in just two seconds. After the pilot hops, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> After the pilot hops in, the brakeman runs a few more steps until his legs can't crank any faster. And he jumps in just before the sleigh reaches 25 miles per hour. If perfectly executed, the push can shave enough time to put the team on the podium. Now let me make a fast transition from that statement. Does that description sound at all like your life? Have you been running and pushing, exerting force until your legs can't crank any faster? Attempting to perfectly execute your life so that you can shave off enough time and be on the podium someday. Our low expectations with God always end up with a version of life like that. The self-driven life, pushing our little cart down a narrow little path, thinking we've truly accessed a productive and powerful existence, not imagining that there's a bigger power available if we just stop running and pushing. Infinitely bigger. And it's the transition from going out for the drill sergeant John the Baptist to the Jesus who's so much greater. Infinitely bigger. So the contrasting example. One page away from the bobsled article is the story of solar flares and their effects on our world. The sun sends off bursts of energy once in a while that really disrupt all kinds of things in our world. I didn't really know about this. They're called solar flares. And at one point, to give you an example, a woman's GPS got disrupted one evening as she was driving along with her kids in the car. And it told her to go the wrong way. And she ended up stuck on a train track and barely got her two kids out before her car was crumpled by the train. And it wasn't, as you would think, you think, well, that's a pretty big issue with GPS. And it was actually, that's laughable compared to what it was, a much bigger issue of solar, like the sun and its power in these solar flares that go out and mess things up. 
So this article hints at the scale of the issues that could result from these powerful solar flares. The last time the sun really made people go, uh-oh, that's from the article, not my words. The last time the sun really made people go, uh-oh, was on March 10, 1989. Our star set loose a billion tons of gas at a million miles an hour, creating chaos in radio communication. It goes on to say, the real problem came two, two days later when a slower moving swarm of magnetically charged material arrived. It pummeled Earth's uh, magnetic shield. Satellites lost their bearings. Magnetic currents eventually found their way into power lines in Quebec, and the extra load caused circuit breakers to trip. The whole province lost or went dark for nine hours, and it was five degrees in some places. Six million people were affected. So that's just like an, a real-life example of what could happen. Scientists say that in 1859, the biggest solar flare happened, and it could ha there's a 10% chance it'll happen again in the next decade. And if so, it'll cost the United States $42 billion a day. So this alarmed the Obama White House enough that they launched a task force in 2014 to devise a defense strategy. So if you put this on the level or if you put this level of solar power alongside the bobsled example, you start to get a sense of the comparison that this text is driving towards. A power you absolutely can't manage, no matter how great of an Olympic athlete you are, no matter how much you are running and pushing. That's the scale of difference between our small scale uh, expectations that we come to with Jesus and what he actually has in store for us. Let us pray. Our God of grace, as we go about our running and cranking and pushing, would you speak into our tired hearts with your grace? Our tired, hurting, and prideful hearts. And remind us that you say, take your yoke upon us and learn from you, for you are gentle and humble in heart. And we will find rest for our souls, for your burden is easy and your yoke is light. With the infinite grace that is in those kinds of words, become available to us and may we notice it and open ourselves. That's all we can do. Just receive. And would we open ourselves to receive your grace and your love? And if we're at a place where we have no idea what that means, would you give us the courage to ask questions and just to be honest and say, we, there's something here that I don't understand and I'd like to know it better. God, would you help me? And would you meet us as you always do in response to our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.